podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Anthony Index Talking Tactics Podcast. I'm your host, Leroy Ma, and today we will be doing something a little bit different due to the international break, but you'll still be familiar enough all the same. Before anything else, I'll introduce Tubbs, who's on with me today on this very beautiful Saturday morning. How's it going, Tubbs? Pretty good time to talk about football, considering that it's a bit dull with the international break, I'm sure. Yeah, it would be nice to sort of preview the tail end of our season, considering how tight it is for that top four race and uh, us having and uh, not having that game in hand compared to the other people in the top four right now means that breaking down each or key tactical points from these last few games will be I think some good insight for fans and 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 will give us an idea of things to look out for ways to nullify the opposition and key players for us who might be really important in, in getting these wins where uh, maybe the rotation comes into effect with Champions League or uh, teams that are towards the bottom are uh, putting in that little bit of extra effort to try and secure you know, a, a place in next year's uh, EPL season. Yeah, you know, so as you said, today we'll be running down the season, you know, tactically previewing all of Liverpool's remaining matches. You know, again, with the international break, I think it's a good time to catch a little bit of a breather after the loss to United and after thumping Watford 5-0 in back-to-back weeks. You know, with seven matches left in the 2017-18 season, I think, yeah, as you said, it's really, really good for us to go on very quick touch and go points on each game moving forward and, and seeing where we can probably uh, take advantage of, what we can nullify from opposing teams, you know, what, I guess, who will be the key players for each game and, and, and things like that, you know, just be really, really quick about it so that, you know, I, I think with seven matches and with, you know, one point from, from both of us, one or two points from both of us, I think that'll be good enough to fill up the whole podcast. But again, as a disclaimer to the listeners, as there are still about two months left of football for this season, we can only go with what we have now, or at least in recent weeks, which means we can't fully take into account potential injuries, or potential slumps, or hikes in form, or the Champions League matches that Liverpool have, and so on. So, you know, do give us some leeway in, in, in case we get anything wrong, but either way, let's start things off with Crystal Palace next week. So, you know, definitely one of the bogey teams for us. What would be the key tactical point for you from this game, Tops? Well, I think for me, the important thing to remember is how Crystal Palace played against Man City. They very much defended in that sort of 2-5 defensive line. And if you remember how they played against us, they really tried to defend those mix zones with their life almost and, and try to capitalize on the counterattack. And now it's more like using Townsend in transition and Zaha off Benteke, either him going wide outside to then play back Benteke with a cross or go inside as that further forward uh, almost in in my opinion sort of mimicking the Mane Salah dynamic that we've sort of developed this season mm-hmm. and so I think given that 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 sort of focal point is is going to be able to nullify the aerial threat of Benteke and then you know it's similar to what we discussed with Lukaku in the last game you can either double man mark him with a midfielder uh, in addition to a centre-back or either with both centre-backs and, and have a midfielder 
drop deeper to cover the second ball, uh, perhaps keeping your uh, fullbacks, particularly the right fullback, whether that's Arnold or Gomez, a little bit more attuned to Zaha's runs. Uh, and I think with Crystal Palace, uh, something to be aware of is if those returning players like Loftus-Cheek and like Sarko, if they return, they're fit, they're in form, I think the de- defensive unit will be a little bit tougher to break down. Um, and obviously you have to be wary of their um, their set-piece threat. So I think for us, I think hopefully it's Matip and Van Dijk, given the need to cover both Zaha on the ground and um, Benteke aerially, uh, and possibly having Karius play his natural game style, be that aggressive player off his line. I think we need to be as aggressive as possible in transition uh, with regards to pressing, uh, double-team them from both sides of midfield and collapse onto the likes of particularly Townsend and force them to go long to Benteke because I think if we... um, if we set up appropriately for him uh, from an aerial point of view, uh, I think we can um, prevent a lot of what they do from a creativity point of view. And I think to do that press effectively, our two number rates will need to be um, on their best performance from a defensive positioning point of view. Uh, and, you know, I know, I know it's sort of contentious, but I would like to see Wijnaldum play, especially if it's against this deep block type setup from Palace. Um, and it might also be the, the right sort of game for Henderson to play if he's fit and 100% from a physical point of view to try and play um, really risky vertical passes. I guess for me, it's definitely the, their left side, right? So I think Zaha, I rate him pretty highly. And Patrick Van Anho as that, you know, the overlapping left back. I think he's pretty decent and that, you know, he's not, not great for sure, but he's pretty decent at overlapping and occupying space on the left flank. So I think it would be really important for our right side of our defense to handle the inner workings of Zaha and Van Anho. So probably, you know, whether it's Alexander Arnold or Joe Gomez, you know, recently Joe Gomez has got the ankle injury. We, are, we don't know the extent of it yet, but whoever that plays at right back, they really have to be sure to, you know, communicate with the right centre back whenever they're on the switch marker. So if Zaha cuts into that uh, left half space of theirs, then he needs to communicate to the right centre back like, hey, you know, you have to take Zaha, I'll be taking Van Anhold whenever he, he overlaps on the wing. I think that would be really mm-hmm. important for us and as well to have that midfield support as well, you know, whether it's Henderson or Wijnaldum to, to come over to the right side to give a little bit of a, of, of a man support. I think that'll be really good as well. But in their last game, I was just looking at Crystal Palace's uh, lineup against Huddersfield. What I thought was really interesting is that they actually had Jeffrey Sloop playing as that left centre midfielder as well. So that's pretty much two left backs and a left winger all on the left side, you know, probably to stack and overload on one side. So if that happens mm-hmm. to us, I think that'll be very interesting to see how we, how we handle that as well. Again, with Benteke, definitely a huge concern for us. And, you know, if, if they do play the long balls from deeper down the pitch to him, you know, similar to, as you said, the, the, the Manchester United setup with Lukaku. I'm just hoping that Van Dijk always takes on Benteke in area duels, right? But other than that, I don't think there are, that there's too much to be worried about. You know, just on a smaller note, I think if Saku continues to play at left centre-back up against Salah on, on our right wing, I think that'll be really interesting to see as well. You know, Saku and Van Enhoek to try and uh, counteract Salah and probably, you know, Alexander Arnold to who, who would probably overlap as well. Probably a similar situation to how we need to be wary of Zaha on our right side. So, very interesting there as well. And again, you mentioned set pieces. You know, with Benteke, Sako and James Tompkins, definitely have to be very worried about that. But apart from that, any final thoughts before we move on? No, I think that's it. I think we just yeah have to be really aware of those very deep cross- crosses that they like to get through their set pieces. It's a big part of how they create chances. So uh, it'll be not, a, a good test for Karius, I think, 
with regards to his aerial game. Um, he's done well so far, and this will be maybe another test for us to see, you know, in this rundown uh, with this season, uh, how he performs in that department too. But I'm expecting a win. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think with, with all due respect, I think Liverpool do, will definitely get the win for sure against Crystal Palace. It's just a matter of how comfortable the win is going to be, you know, whether it's going to be a, another 5 0 against Watford or is it going to be a very close 2 1, 3 2 sort of situation. I think, yeah, you know, we definitely have all the tools to win and I don't think Crystal Palace will be too defensive, but, you know, they'll definitely want to play a bit more open considering they have pretty good attacking talent in Zaha and, and maybe Andros Townsend as well, but, you know, the, the space is definitely there for us to exploit. It's just how we do defensively. I think that will definitely, uh, you know, set the tone for us into that game. But, you know, moving on, we have Everton coming up in, in, in the following week. So for me, definitely the man in form, right? You know, Seng Tosun, I think he's definitely the one to, to look out for. Very, very mobile in the box and gets into very, uh, very interesting uh, positions in the box to, you know, try to be that fox in the box type of player. But he's definitely very, very good at finishing loose balls from crosses or, or passes of, or things of that nature. I think probably the, the key player for me would be Van Dyke to just clear those crosses first time from Wilcott or whether it's from Baines or Coleman, you know, one of their fullbacks. I think just having Van Dyke clear those crosses the first time, I think that'd be a, a pretty good way for us to eliminate those, uh, second balls where Singtosun can probably take advantage of. You know, any thoughts on that as well from your side? No, that's a really good point, Leroy, that sort of long ball, that straight vertical from Pickford to Tosson, or if they decide to play Calvert-Lewin for this, you know, you never know with uh, Sam Allardyce. And they've really been, since his appointment, a, a very much a, a, a famine team, I would say. They they overperform in, in terms of the points that they gain when you consider how much of a real goal-scoring threat or, or how how they're able to fashion quality shots. And I think that's a testament to his style of play and um, just sometimes their efficiency. But um, I think the big thing to uh, to be aware of that's um, been brought on this season, particularly with how Sam Allardyce has set the team up, is, is Rooney in midfield. And I think they will, you know, for all intents and purposes, play uh, or, or try to carry out some, some nice interlinking and interplay with just two or three quick passes deep or at the halfway point um, if they're just able to fashion some space and then look to transition forward and fast maybe get Sigurdsson in, in a little bit of space uh, on the on the left and switch to him um, so although they are a very sort of um, route one uh, kind of a, a stoic defensive team uh, I think they will able to uh, prepare certain build-up patterns that they would like to do in sort of the middle or deeper areas of the pitch and then uh and and utilize really Rooney's skill set given you know he's way past his um peak and is now used more as that passing midfielder uh with his sort of um his range and uh, doesn't really have that athleticism anymore so i think that's really important and i think for liverpool from an attacking point of view i think you know Idrissa Garnagay has been one of the better defensive midfielders in the Premier League. Um, yeah. And I think maybe double teaming him in attack with Firmino and maybe an attacking centre mid uh, will just better prevent him from covering the space into Salah. And I think really playing around him, not looking uh, to necessarily uh, allow his strengths to come to the fore from a defensive point of view, but really just give him a lot of different things to think about. Uh, and I think um, if Everton play, with a lone striker in transition, whether that's Tosun or Cavalloon, whoever, I think playing one centre-back deeper 
than the other in transition to protect against those diagonal balls um, will be important. And this might also be the game, you know, when you consider Champions League, the Champions League fixture, it might be the type of game to prepare Solanke for in a more meaningful way in terms of, um, you know, trying to get him on early in the second half or if it's a stalemate, I think he can try and help give Firmino a bit more space. Um, so I think that's th- those are probably key points for me. And uh, I think this will be more of a, a tougher fixture or matchup, uh, depending especially on how rotation works out uh, and how Allardyce chooses to set up. Um, so this might be one where we draw or win. Um, difficult to say. Yeah, and I guess when you look at the the side, right, so probably, you know, when you look at Leighton Baines and, and someone like Wayne Rooney, definitely not the most athletic or, or, or the most pacey of players there. So in terms of how they try to handle someone like Salah on, on our right side, for example, right, so, you know, Leighton Baines definitely can't keep up with Salah, you know, not many left-backs can, in fact. So probably what he'll, what Everton will try to do is instead of playing uh, someone like Bolasi on the left wing, Maybe they might out with Calvert Lewin to just be, you know, not really that, that attacking player or, or, or the key attacking player for them, but more of someone to try and track Salah and, and try to keep up with Salah a little bit more. And I think that'd be really important for them as well. And again, with Rooney not being the, the, the most pacey of players, again, Idrissa Gaye definitely very, very important as you highlighted. So let's see how that midfield combination works. You know, it's definitely a, a three-man midfield from them and a three-man midfield from us. I think... Firmino dropping back in that false line position definitely will, will try to open up a bit of space for us and, and you know, try to give us that numerical advantage. I think that'll be very interesting to see as well. But, you know, moving forward, we have Burnmouth at home. So I'm not really, not, not too concerned with Burnmouth because they are one of the few teams who are actually mm. daring enough to play as how they normally would. So, you know, just be a bit more open and, and link up, play, play a lot of passes and be a bit more aggressive up top so I think that means there'll be a bit of space for us to work with unlike you know teams like West Brom like we'll talk about sooner or or, or, or Chelsea for example so I, I think what would be important for us would be to make sure that they don't get the, the supply over to someone like Stanislas who has been really really in, in top form recently for them so maybe closing down the link ups between players like, like Lewis Koch and you know preventing advances from, from Stanislas and, and Jordan Knight as well I think that would be very key for us I think we can achieve this by by maybe escaping presses a little bit as well you know so maybe what I, I like to do is see Genie play this game because with that midfield press that they can probably execute as well. Mm. I think Genie will be very important to try and escape these presses and, you know, having Emre Chan to dribble out of these presses and into space, I think they'll be very important for us. So, you know, just as a quick recap, definitely try to win that midfield battle. And I think by in, in order to do that, we, we need Genie to, you know, be that pressing player in midfield and be able to escape from presses as well. And having Emery Chan just drive up the ball, uh, drive up with the ball and, and just escape those presses as well. I think that'd be very important for us. But, you know, what, what would you have to say about Burnworth Tubbs? No, those are really good points, Leroy, especially on Stanislas in that left hand side channel in, in offensive midfield. I think there is a bit of a bias with Bournemouth towards their left side and uh, you have to be mindful of how potent they can be in their build up play from out wide. If you can suffocate that space to Smith, uh, or Daniels, whoever plays at the left, or, or Francis, I think their creativity will suffer a lot. Um, they like to build down that left-hand side and use Ake uh, and his technical ability on the ball. Uh, and then the the other option for Begovic is to go long to uh, someone like a King or uh, and have Defoe sort of in and around that, um, create those little transition moments for him. And, um, you know, speaking of Bournemouth, is uh, it is one of the teams that are a little bit more daring in their playing style. And 
Um, one of the players that I really like on the team is Lewis Cook, um, young British player, um, who I think is a bit, a, a bit of a bolter for the World Cup team. Um, players like him, Jack Wilshere, you know, not a lot of uh, these types or profiles of players in terms of number sixes who are creative on the ball, have good technical ability, and are daring in possession. Um, if anyone hasn't checked it out, um, check out uh, Played Off The Park on Twitter at underscore POTP. Um, and they have some really good analysis on midfielders and vertical passing. And after our, you know, soon-to-be Nabi Keita, uh, Lewis Cook has one of the best vertical pass to take-ons completed ratio of under 24 players in the top five leagues. Um, he's eighth at vertical passes in the final third per 90. And uh, to compare to, say, someone like um, in our number six with Jordan Henderson, uh, he has five times more completed take-ons per 90 than him. Um, and he's really that... In this season, after recovering from his ankle injury, one of those creative fulcrums to help pass out of those midfield overloads. Um, and he's pretty incisive in transition too. But I think from a quality point of view, um, Liverpool, especially with how prepared they can be in um, n- you know, noting down the right pressing triggers against each particular opposition, uh, I think we'll sort of be ready for this one. Um, and I think you're right. I think players like Wijnaldum, players like Emery Chan, who can thrive in space, uh, who can help execute on a press, and really are just physically athletic, uh, combative players who can um, help challenge against a really physical uh, Bournemouth team. I think that's all. All of these elements are going to be really important. Uh, but I am also expecting a, a comfortable win. Yeah, for sure. And again, you know, I think the set piece uh, worries definitely linger around, you know, with Nathan Ake and uh, you know, Steve Cook, Simon Francis, these few players can definitely cause a bit of problems in the box whenever they get set pieces. And also when you look at their bench, they have Jermaine Defoe and, and, and Ryan Fraser coming into the in, in, into play as well. I think, you know, we, we, we can't just, you know, take the foot off the gas and, and expect a win there because, you know, Jermaine Defoe definitely you give him one chance and he is able to score that one chance for sure, you know, just take advantage mm-hmm. of whatever chance he can get. Very, very important for us to try and get a big lead early on and, and I guess try to maintain, I guess maintain possession for, for the most part and try to control the game a bit. I'm pretty worried about Begovic as well, you know, there, there are times where he can just be a monster of a goalkeeper, so it's <laughs> always the bane of our existence, right? You know, that's goalkeepers stepping up in, mm-hmm. in, in big ways against us, so definitely a few things to worry about as well for sure, but, you know, again, we move on to another bane of our West Brom, you know, reckon going to be a similar story to the return leg tops. Do you think they will be very, very frustrating for us to, to handle as well? Oh, 100%. I think, you know, West Brom are the team that are probably, out of all these teams in the run-in, are least likely to score, and they have a terrible away record, but I think they have been underachieving for a long time now, and it's been difficult to stray from their uber-defensive, incisive counter-attacking style at you know, purely it over many years. And I think they eventually, credit to them, developed some sophisticated defensive systems for all the top teams, particularly in the wide areas and central areas in the mix zone just in front of the halfway line and before their six-yard box. So I think um, this is the type of game where you want to be able to stretch their defensive lines horizontally, uh, perform in, in a way uh, that we did against Watford. And I think playing a lot of diagonals, playing a lot of risky verticals, uh, this is the sort of style that we, we want to play against teams that are going to be in a, a deep defensive block. Uh, and I think you want to try and create as much space for Salah as possible. Or if Salah is going to be a focus of gravity for their defensive uh, setup, then you want to always liberate the, the free men who are going to be found in space. And I think you want those free men to be your best attackers. So it has to be Firmino. It has to be Mane uh, if it's not going to be Salah. And um, rather than 
say, um, you know, Milner or um, Ox, especially yep. if it's in congested areas. Mm-hmm. Um, we've probably only really seen one, probably one phase of play where Ox through congestion has been able to deliver, execute and, and get past players and create space for himself or others. And, uh, you know, that's just something that uh, is part of his game. You know, like we were discussing against Man United, he's, he's the kind of player who uses his athleticism, athleticism to catch up to his first touch. And if he's a little bit sloppy, then he can lose those moments and it really brings the team back because it allows just those extra few seconds for the defense to get back into shape. Um, so those are my concerns. I think this is also one of those games where I think, uh, you know, if, although Rondon tends to be very isolated, uh, if they get a few lucky set pieces, a few lucky transition moments where we maybe make a few mistakes, uh, again, this could be end up being one of those draws or stalemates or they come out with a lucky win. Um, yeah, so it was sort of like this game uh, and maybe the Everton game uh, and the Chelsea game that's coming up uh, that are probably the ones I was a little bit unsure of. Yeah, you know, and when you look at West Brom's uh, last few games, I think in the last five games, they've, they've really only scored three goals. So in terms of conceding against them, I'm not particularly worried about that. You know, for sure, the set piece uh, worry definitely comes to mind. But for the most part, I'm not too worried about conceding goals against them. I'm more worried about how we are unable to break down their defensive uh, structure of mm. up. You know, I think it's basically a coin toss, right? It depends on how lucky the Liverpool players are on that day so maybe just getting the extra touch off to get them a bit open to get the shot off or maybe a pass being made past uh, a West Brom defender and, and you know just because of that, that that slip of concentration the ball goes through and somehow we are, we are in behind to get a, a you know a, a good chance going things like that you know those kind of games if, if that makes sense you know just basically a coin toss just seeing how lucky Liverpool can be but the key for me, you know, you touched on this a little bit, is definitely going to be how money can influence this game. You know, we've seen in tight games where, you know, uh, you know, when, when teams set up compact defenses, they definitely look to isolate Salah of the game. And then Firmino mm-hmm. can be pretty much, you know, just, just a minimal influence to the game whenever he's dropping away from that deep defensive block to try and create things a bit deeper down the pitch. We see him being a bit, uh, you know, the, the the influence definitely reduced a little bit more from him, so it's definitely down to Mane and you know how how important or, or how clinical he can be on that day. You know, I think him and probably Emery Chan will be the the key sort of out of left field goal scorers or or you can say the the game changers for us. So I think it's it's down to how again you mentioned how the free man can can take advantage of of these kind of opportunities presented to them. And I think you know again. I, I highly doubt Salah will have a huge influence in this game. I don't think Firmino will be will be particularly uh, effective against a, a deep block and uh, as, as well as a compact uh, midfield. So again, it's down to Mane and, and probably the fullbacks to try and you know create some chances and probably Mane and Emery chance to try and score some goals from from those chances. But you know, moving on from one bogey team to another, we have Stoke coming up. So <laughs> you know, if I had to guess. You have Shakiri penned down as well as a key player that we need to shut down, mm. or do you have any other thoughts on them? No, you're, you're right, Leroy. I think Shakiri is the one, and I think a lot of uh, the way I see Stoke, I think they're probably the ones who are most likely to concede a heavy yeah. amount of goals. And I think a big reason of 
a big reason why that is is because they haven't been able to get the dynamic right with their fullbacks and how to successfully integrate them into attacking play as they've shifted from these, you know, older generation fullbacks, a, a bit of an outdated style when it comes to uh, interplaying the offensive third to now um, these new age uh, fullbacks that have to be able to um, play in the half spaces as well as offer width and then be really good defensively in transition. And so you're right, a lot of... Um, Deep crosses, they'll they'll try and play if they can't play out in midfield, and they've been using uh, Allen and sometimes Ireland or, or Fletcher earlier in the season to try and really find Shakiri as the main man in that right hand side half space, and that's the probably biggest route of attack for them. And so I think if if Van Dyke and Hendo or Chan whoever plays in the six um, can lock him down, make it as difficult as possible for the rest of their midfield to catch up and push up to the play if they're able to find him. I think that's going to be key. Uh, that's really all I can sort of say about about Stoke. And then uh, I think this is also another game where we can just let our offensive ability come to the fore and play the way that we, we know how we play. Yeah, and no, I think Shakiri can definitely be a problem from open play. And also we have to be wary of, again, aerial balls as always. You know, whether it's from corners because of Zuma and Shawcross or whether it's from open play because they have Peter Cross who's probably going to start against us as well. I think those are some of the things that we need to be wary of. But it can be very fun for us in the sense that I don't think they'll be particularly defensive, not like a West Brom, for example. So that's where, again, I think we can definitely score a few goals. I think the opportunity and, and I think the spacing will be there for us as well to take advantage of. So... Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a pretty hard game for me to predict because we're just not sure what type of Stoke team we'll be facing up against, right? So, definitely very interesting one for sure. But, you know, going on to our second last game of the season, so we have Chelsea, definitely a huge, huge game for us, you know, because, again, they're going to, you know, how we break down that deep defensive structure, going to be so, so huge for us. You know, we saw what they did to Manchester City and... And City really came out on top because they took advantage of the chances that they got. And, you know, the, the, the chances were very few and far between. I'm hoping we can do that as well. But once again, midfielders and, you know, Roberto Firmino, how they unlock defense will be very important for us. You know, try to move their their defenders around and try to find those openings to, to slot passes into Mane or Salah. Very, very key for us once again. But, you know, I again, I think Salah will have a pretty quiet time. And I think... You know, they probably set up similar to how United tried to set up against us to try and, and nullify Salah. But if somehow we can draw Chelsea out a little bit into midfield and, you know, we try to get those semi-counter-attacking scenarios going, I think that's where we can definitely bring Salah into the game a little bit more. You know, let's get him to make those runs in behind someone like Marcos Alonso. And, you know, between him and, and, and Gary Cahill, I'm betting on Salah all day long. So, you know, any similar thoughts to these types or do you think... Chelsea would be a handful for us. No, I agree. And I think the way that we do this is, especially if someone like Fabregas plays, if you have Firmino dropping deep, uh, doing a number on him from a defensive point of view, if we can minimize his influence, I think that will be really important. And in a similar vein to Firmino being that uh, press initiator on someone like Fabregas, really limiting his passing options and forcing more that uh, as P sort of link up with Moses, then... uh, I think we'll sort of see the, the the wider players in Mane and Salah tuck in a little bit narrow and, like you said, create counter-attacking situations. But rather than, say, going behind uh, Chelsea's defensive line, I think more try to create the space in front for them to, to run into. Uh, and then hopefully our fullbacks or our attacking midfielders can start to press up like from the from the 
eight positions and uh, capitalize on, say, Kante pushing forward and, and maybe pressing higher up, um, drink water, not really having the athleticism to maybe match some of our, uh, our attacking players, uh, and maybe Fabregas, um, who, who can sometimes be underrated from a defensive point of view. Uh, but we'll, I guess we'll have to see. I think Drinkwater and Kante, last time we played them, were really, really tight. Um, and Rudiger sort of coming back into form. Uh, but, you know, the, the danger men for me are always going to be Fabregas and, and Hazard. And particularly if, if, if Hazard's playing off, say, Giroud or Murata, whoever it is, I think man marking him in the half spaces, um, especially if he plays as the lone forward, can, uh, will be really important and can be a big way for us to create counterattacking situations. Um, you know, he's such an excellent player and versatile now and at this stage of his career. Uh, other key things that I could possibly think of, not not really. I mean, look, Fabregas is the kind of player, you know, we've been linked with Jorginho and the likes of them, and if we had the sort of maybe another defensive foil for him, I'd love a player like him um, in our number six. But, hey, that's a, I, I, di- I digress. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you mentioned Hazard just being that huge question mark, you know, when he steps up, he really steps up. So it, I guess it's again down to our midfielders to try and cover a bit for our for our defensive line, you know, try to eliminate those one-on-one scenarios, you know, where we see someone like mm-hmm. Hazard going up against, you know, Alexander Arnold or, or whether it's Matip or Lovren or whoever it is, right? Just have a bit of that midfield support. I think that'll be really, really key for us. And again, you know, because Chelsea are pretty stacked up top, you know, while... They they aren't having the the best of weeks in in, in recent weeks, but you know they do have Morata, they do have uh, Olivier Giroud, they have Willian and Pedro all able to come in and 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 you know get into those goal scoring opportunities. So again, very very important for our defense to just sit tight and 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 try to hold the fort while you know we we try to create chances for Salah and Mane and Firmino to try and, 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 and get that goal up top. I think it's really important for us not to leak goals at the back as well, and I think that will definitely help us for sure. But again, it's down to midfield support, whether it's offensively or defensively in this case against Chelsea. But, you know, any final thoughts before we, we head on to the final game uh, final game of the season? Well, maybe one thing I will mention, and, and I know Lovren is sort of the, the centre-back that has become much maligned for, you know, really bad mistakes or defensive uh, mistakes this season, especially as we've signed Van Dyke and seen the quality that he's able to bring. And now we're starting to question, okay, do we need a, a new centre-back to uh, create the right defensive dynamic that Klopp wants? As we we said that when Van Dyke's signed, that it would mean Karras almost definitely comes back into the fold because of how they complement each other. Um, but it still seems like there's something missing on that right-hand side of our defence. Um, <clears throat> other things that uh, we've mentioned though for Lovren is that he almost exclusively plays that front foot aerial aggressor type role and against teams like Manchester City he essentially man marked Aguero the entire game no matter how deep um, Aguero dropped um, that was really something that we made a point of of doing because if we can stop Man City with regards to Aguero and De Bruyne um, interplaying and, and escaping the overloads, then we stopped a lot of their creativity. Uh, even if the wide players were able to get some of the ball, we really sort of uh, they didn't really have enough space or players in front to play into, and they would obviously have to turn backwards. And if that's something that we end up seeing Lovren do on Hazard, uh, <laughs> is is left to be seen. But again, Chelsea, uh, I think slightly more aggressive when it comes to their 
wider players and how they're able to attack um, in the in the recent sort of uh, sort of phase of the of the last few games. So let's see how that that plays out. This is also another game where I'm thinking, you know, draw potential loss. Um, I've got us penned down by the end uh, to get 77 points uh, as our final total. Whether that's enough for third or fourth, I mean, we'll have to see. And, and Chelsea are going to be playing as as you know their their hearts out to get this um, to get that fourth spot at, at the least. Yeah, for sure. So you know, definitely huge question marks there. You know, with regards to the players that Chelsea have, and and I, I guess how our defensive uh, setup works against them. So you know, again, very very uh, unpredictable game to to sort of uh, look forward to and preview. But you know, finally, uh, for the final match of the season, we play Brighton and. Yeah, you know, in, 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 I guess in the reverse picture, they played pretty defensively in the first half, set up a, a 4-5-1 sort of structure to try and contain us. And, and you know, I, I guess um, towards the later stage of, of, of the game, we saw Glenn Murray actually have like one or two very, very close chances that actually went in and, and almost gave us a bit of a headache. But I really don't see them being any different this time around. I think they'll be very, very defensive uh, to begin with and, you know, try to, to take advantage of of us maybe slipping up a little bit and having Glenn Marie just try to uh, take advantage of any chances he gets from maybe a, a cross, a long ball, or, or maybe a, 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 a pass from Pascal Gross or something like that, you know, just try to hold back and, and try to get the lucky goal up top. But, you know, any thoughts about Brighton before we head off the podcast? Uh, this one's a difficult one because I haven't seen a lot of Brighton, but when I have seen them play, and I was mentioning this to you beforehand, Leroy, that Shalotto, who sometimes plays right back, right mid, is someone who I've really admired. I think he's a, the type of player that's in the mold of you know uh, these modern-day fullbacks with regards to being really effective effective and having a high work rate in defensive transition but then also when you get forward being able to be that outlet um, for your midfield who may not be as talented as some of these top six sides to be able to play these one or two quick passes similar to how the likes of Everton do they'll really prepare those um, build up play intricate passing sequences but all for the all for the point of trying to get your wider players into space and they 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 I'm not sure his name but they're big money signing for this season who hasn't really been integrated hasn't been able to been able to provide them that option or then even drop deep and be a creative dribbler on the ball or passer on the ball in in transition moments or when uh, teams really set up deep in midfield um in in a good zonal marking uh sort of shape and whereas someone like Charlotte has really done surprisingly quite well and so uh, I think this speaks a lot to like you're saying with Glenn Murray Brighton's main route of attack being uh, high quality crosses from wider areas um, and maybe ones that are more from a qualitative subjective point of view high quality for them not maybe necessarily from a statistic point of view uh, so that's, I think that's something to be wary of uh, particularly as we'll be pushing quite high up the pitch when it comes to attacking uh, and possibly another thing that if you if you want you can maybe try and allow their goalkeeper to play out a bit um, be a bit risky give him some space rather than utilizing a high press onto him um, because Matt Ryan, although he's, you know, very good in distribution, you know, high risk, high reward. We've seen it with even uh, someone like Edison. Uh, sometimes we've seen it with uh, Karius. Uh, and those are moments that, you know, you can capitalize on. And so uh, if we come out of this game with a win, I think it would be really um, important, uh, particularly if we lose against Chelsea uh, and the top four race might be tight. Um, that's really all I can say. And I think, um, with a view to also how we progress in the Champions League. I mean, uh, that's something to keep an eye out on as well. 
Yeah, and I think as well as, you know, the, the, the position we are in. So typically on the last day of the season, everyone pretty much know where they are, uh, you know, moving forward, you know, whether they are in the top four or whether they are playing Europa League or whether they are being relegated. I think most teams more or less know where they are at. So you know, I, I think that would be pretty uh, influential in this game as well. But I think if we do play like, like it's any other ordinary game, I think uh, we, we won't see too much of Salah or Mane getting the ball. At most, they'll just get the ball, maybe take a few touches and then pass it, you know, try to find the midfielder again. So with Brighton, I think if they do play very defensively as well, and, you know, considering that we're not very good in breaking down these defenses once again, I think our midfielder is very, very key. And, and I think the tempo that they set for the game, I think that'll be very important. You know, if we move the ball around very slowly, I don't think we can get a lot of chances for, for Salah or Mane to, to, or even Firmino to, to try and latch on to. But if we can move the ball a little bit quicker, especially now with Robertson being very, very good at left back, I think we can definitely utilize that overlapping, uh, motion to, to try and stretch the defense a little bit and be a bit quicker with our passes. So again, I think the tempo is really, really important when it comes to these defensive blocks. I think Liverpool have, uh, you know, while we, while I think teams, found a way to, to nullify us. I think we are also shooting ourselves in the foot a little bit by, by moving the ball very slowly, you know, not not forcing opposing defenders to move around and, you know, try to vacate space a little bit. I think, yeah, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a double-edged sword for us, you know, they are setting up mm. in a way that, that is really, really beneficial against us. And at the same time, we are just not helping ourselves, you know, with, with the slow passing and, and, and things like that. But, you know, overall, I think that's a pretty good way to, to, to close off the podcast. You know, we've, we've tactically previewed the remaining seven matches of, 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 uh, of, of this season. So it'll be very interesting to, you know, whenever we go on and, and review the game to see how, uh, you know, how things actually, actually pan out in, in reality. So, you know, Tabs, any final words and, you know, probably you want to sneak in your, your, your predictions on whether we get top four or not? <laughs> I, look, I think it's a must. I mean, uh, to not get top four would be, I think, a failure of the season. And uh, when you consider what would be signs of progress is getting to the knockout rounds of, of the Champions League, particularly when we found out what our group stage was going to be like, and also being able to maintain that progress um, in staying in the top four, consolidating it by getting third. And, um, you know, it's been... It's been a bit turbulent not getting our key defensive targets. Nabi Keita coming in one season later, uh, Coutinho leaving mid-season. Uh, in in res- with regards to some of those setbacks and hurdles that we've had to face and then overcome, it's been quite admirable the way that Klopp has been able to get um, that little extra few percent out of some of these players and and really refine this system. Um, I guess I I sort of had us penned down as maybe one loss, two draws in this last seven, um, particularly with the Champions League fixtures, and so maybe and and with possibly rotation diluting our ability to execute and our quality, so maybe that. That gives us around 77 points and hopefully this season that's enough for fourth and maybe third depending on how um, Spurs do they've got a few tough Premier League fixtures as well um, and then I guess after that we'll we'll anticipate what happens next season um, I guess we'll all be watching the World Cup just because you know all a lot of our attacking players are uh, away at the World Cup, and so always sort of a little bit concerned for heavy minutes, not getting that rest. Uh, and it's nice to have winter break the season after uh, coming into the Premier League, and, and no more replays in some of the cup games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
you know, for, for Klopp, I think this is a, a good opportune time because uh, a lot of our defenders are not going to be at the World Cup. And so um, really refining some of the defensive systems and, and styles of play, uh, particularly if we sign a centre-back who's not at the World Cup either, I think that's something we could definitely work on. And um, But yeah, I'm sort of jumping the gun a bit, looking forward to uh, these next few games, particularly the derby uh, sandwiched between the Man City games and uh, that Chelsea game as well, which could be really important ones. I think, you know, you mentioned one loss and two draws, right? I think that wouldn't be very unlike Liverpool. <laughs> you know, I, I can see us <laughs> winning against Palace, Everton and and Brighton. I think we can definitely get the win against Bournemouth as well. So I, I, I think the two draws and the loss will probably come against West Brom, Stoke and, and Chelsea. I just have a, a, a very weird feeling about these three games. But you know, hopefully the seven wins on the bounce here. So, you know, that'd be very, very great for Liverpool, right? You know, just to secure Champions League for next season and, and just ending the season on a high, you know, especially again with the, the turmoil that you, that you mentioned, you know, not getting Naby Keita in early, you know, Coutinho leaving mid-season. And I think as well as getting Van Dijk mid-season, I think that why it has helped us, you know, throughout this, this year so far. But for the first half of the season, you know, we, we were begging for defensive stability and, you know, Van Dyke would have definitely helped with that. So mm. with all these, you know, setbacks as you mentioned, very, very great for us to end the season on a high and secure Champions League for next season. I think that'll be great for us. But Tubbs, it's been a great time talking to you for sure. You know, and any final words or, or anything that you'd like to plug before we head off? Uh, no, none in particular. I uh, just hope everyone's uh, international teams do well in their friendlies in preparation for the World Cup. Um, Australia's got Bert Van Marwijk as their new coach, and uh, we lost 4-1 to Norway, and it's a bit <laughs> disappointing. Um, but let's see what happens. And uh, again, with Liverpool, let's let's really get that top four and consolidate progress and uh, see how we do. I, I pinned us down for uh, maybe be a draw against Everton, draw against West Brom, loss against Chelsea. Uh, that Everton one, a little bit unsure of because of its, you know, its Allardyce and uh, the Man City games in the Champions League. So, um, but hopefully 77 is enough and maybe with Kane injured for a couple of games uh, for Spurs um, will maybe give us a bit of a boost. Uh, so let's see how it goes and uh, I hope the fans enjoy this last few games of the season too. Yep, you know, so you listeners, I hope you guys are enjoying the international break with some of your teams playing the World Cup. I'll be looking forward to Euro 2020 with Holland. But either way, Tops, it's been great <laughs> having you on. <laughs> you know, always great to, to talk to you for sure. And to listeners, thank you so much for listening Thanks, to this Leroy. episode of the FA Index Talking Tactics Podcast. I've been your host, Leroy Ma, and we'll see you next time. Network.